following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. Well, I just uh, consider it a great honor to be here. I love this church. I love the people here. We hear from a lot of you, and my uh, wife, Amy, regrets she can't be here. She was here last year and uh, really enjoyed being here, but... um, uh, I just consider you guys family. Is that okay? Would you, would you guys adopt me into your family and just let me claim Word of Life as my own? And, and all the guys in the balcony, it's just really good. You know, I've, uh, you know Ken's not here, so I'm going to talk about him a little bit. But, but I, I literally, I'm being very sincere. I've traveled the world over, literally. I've been all over the world ministering. And uh, I'll tell you what, you'll be hard-pressed to find anyone more loyal and loving than Kent Maddox. And Bev. Kent's been a very, very good friend of mine. We've known each other for going on two decades now. It's hard to believe that. We both had brown hair, dark hair when we met. So uh, I think Kent's got me beat a little bit. You know, he's just a little bit lighter than mine. But, but uh, I mean that sincerely. I just honor, you know, what the Lord is doing through Kent and Bev and through you guys. Um, we did a couple of blogs a year, a year or two back, a couple of years back now, I guess, and one of them has been watched by I don't know how many thousands and thousands of people about some of your church model um, programs and such, and I know a lot of pastors wrote to me that got a lot out of that, but I just want to say what an honor it is to be here. More importantly, aren't you glad you're born again? Oh. You know, every time I get up to speak, I just feel this overwhelming wave of gratitude to just thank the Lord that our sins are washed away. Isn't that amazing? And we're born again of the Spirit. You know, I'm going to talk this morning about being multidimensional. You're a multidimensional human being. Isn't that great? You might think, what in the world is that? I'm going to tell you in a minute what that means. But it means that we're not bound by what you see and by what you hear and by what you feel. I just, you know, I've been reading in the book of Acts chapter 2 lately, and this is not my message, and I know I need to get to it pretty quick because I have a lot to share. But I was just reading Acts chapter 2, you know, and where it talks where Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost, and he kind of, he's pretty rough on him. He says, you know, you men, you, Jesus of Nazareth was among you, the son of the living God, son of God. God himself became a man. Think about that a minute. You know, sometimes we gloss over words and we don't really allow the meaning to be absorbed into our spirit. The creator of the universe became a man. Literally says in John chapter 1, he pitched his tent among us. He lived in a tabernacle of flesh. Paul said on the external, he said he looked like any ordinary man. But on the inside of that man was God. And it said, Jesus of Nazareth attested to you with many miracles, signs, and wonders, which God performed through him. But this man, Jesus, <laughs> he says, you nailed him to a tree according to the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Think about that. God came among humanity and they murdered him. Just think about that. Somebody might say, oh, that wouldn't happen today. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that we're not quite ready for the real revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
but we are. <laughs> the world I'm talking about. The remnant. I am of the belief that the remnant of God's people are about to have a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ that will transform you forever. That's what you need. We need God. <laughs> I need a revelation of Jesus. Not just another good information, not some more you know, Bible verses. I need a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see what Paul saw when he was on that road. I'm already a believer. I know Paul wasn't a believer, but I wouldn't mind having the Lord appear in a vision, even if he knocks me to the ground. That's okay. That's all right. I'll get up. <laughs> he told Paul, get up. Stand up on your feet. For this purpose have I appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only of what you have seen, but what you're going to see, what I'm going to appear to you, to open the eyes of the people, to bring them out of darkness into light, from the dominion of Satan to the dominion of God, that they may receive an inheritance, may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those that are being sanctified by faith in me. That was a pretty good day. And that's exactly what Paul did. Paul said, I did not shun to declare the whole counsel of God. He told Agrippa, I was faithful to the heavenly vision. Our role today is really pretty simple. Our, our role, you and I, the remnant of God's people, whether you're an apostle down to an up to or through an evangelist, whether you're in helps, whether you're a stay at home, whatever you are, your job is to bring to this generation the revelation of Jesus Christ. Period. To open the eyes of people, to carry an anointing that removes blinders from people's eyes. I did a blog, and I hope some of you may have watched our blogs because I'm going to share a few things this morning that I will not have time to just really go into the depth I would like to, but I, I cover some of these on blogs. But I just did this blog, you know, where it was kind of interesting because I had like a page of notes. And when I do a blog, I don't know if you know what a blog is, just where you sit down in front of a camera and for about 18, 20 minutes, uh, you know, just share, just share what the Lord gives you. And we've had huge success. I've had 80,000 people watch some of our blogs. Anywhere from 10 to 80, just this whole broad range of things. But anyway, I went to the office, you know, and was going to film them. And I pulled up my notes, and they were gone. Blank page. I don't know what happened. And so I, I texted my wife. I said, my notes are gone. She said, praise the Lord. <laughs> that's, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. So I just got this last blog I did called The Dominion of God. But I... Just out of my heart, this scripture came forward. It says, the, the Lord's bondservant. That's what we are, the Lord's bondservant. I'm not a, a hireling. You're not a hireling. We're not a slave. We're not a servant. We're a bondservant. We're a friend, the friend of God. The Lord's friends are not quarrelsome. They're kind to all. Listen carefully. With gentleness. With gentleness. Bringing correction. If perhaps... God may grant repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Just the sound of those words, to bring people out of darkness, that they may escape the snare. People are bound by the devil to do his will. And that makes me angry. That makes me upset. A little righteous indignation. People that are bound by the enemy to do the will of the enemy. It literally says that they may come to the knowledge of the truth and come to their senses. It's insanity. What's going on out there is insanity. 
And something is coming through the church, through the remnant of God's people, to begin to lift the insanity off of a body of people. And we will have a harvest. This is going to happen. We're moving into a new day. That's going to, I'm going to kind of transition now and begin to move into to what I want to share because this remnant, this remnant of people will be throne room people. We're, you and I, I'm prophesying this and the word prophesies it, that we are the Omega Ministries. This is the consummation. You realize that? This is the end time. We are in the last of the last days. The Lord is returning. If somebody tries to tell you it might be 100 years away, they're mistaken. You and I are living in the hour when we will see the return of the Lord. I believe many in this room will see it. I might even see it myself. I'm not sure yet. I'm thinking that might be the case. But we are to preach the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's coming when he comes for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. The scripture says so. She'll be without a blemish. She's not going to be bound by the world. She's not going to have the motives and the agendas of the world. She's not going to be utilizing the systems of this world to try to have church. Somebody over there got it. There's a new model on the horizon. And there's a body of people that are going to begin to go out of this realm into the unseen realm. Not are going to. It's happening now. I'm seeing some stuff. My wife is, uh, other people, we're beginning to go behind the veil. We're beginning to get glimpses of this model that's coming that's unlike anything we have ever seen. It's throne room revelation. It's revelation for stuff. Where John, who comes to the end of the seven church ages in Revelation 2 and 3. You guys tracking with me? Stay with me. for Give me 45 minutes of undivided. I know some of you got a roast in the oven, but just give me a few minutes here. I got something to say. But John comes to the end. He sees the seven churches, and no doubt we have been living in an age typified by the Laodicean spirit, correct? Lukewarm Christianity. It's out there. It's out there. All across, right now, this morning, Sunday morning, all across this nation, the lukewarm spirit is alive and well. Not in here, but out there where people are going through the motions. They have no real relationship with the Lord. They have no real interest in the things we're going to be talking about today. They have no real interest in manifesting the kingdom. But that's going to change. The church is going to be revolutionized. The awakening that's been prophesied is in the church. Oh, people think the great awakenings. No, the great awakening starts with God's people. The church is going to wake up. And the remnant of God's people throughout the entirety of the church are going to begin to be throne room people. They're going to hear a voice like John heard, come up here. Remember, I saw a door standing open in heaven and a voice saying unto me, come up here. We're going up, not, not this way up. <laughs> I've got something to show you, things that will take place hereafter. And John said, I, I saw one sitting on a throne like a jasper stone in appearance. Oh, don't you want to see that? I do, I do. He shouldn't have put it in the book if he didn't want me to see it. I want to see it. I want to see what John saw. Before this thing is over, I want to see that one sitting on a throne. While I'm in my body, my, my heart would fail me if I did not believe that I would see the goodness and glory of God while in the land of the living. It's in the book. It's our promise. We should aspire to it. But one sitting on a throne like a jasper stone in appearance. Just imagine. Just let your spirit go there for a moment. 
like a jasper stone in appearance, and around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones sat 24 elders clothed in white with golden crowns upon their head. Just imagine it. And before the throne there are seven lamps of fire, seven torches burning, which are the seven spirits of God. And proceeding forth from the throne were lightnings and thunders and peals and, and, and strange sounds. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass. And around the throne were these living creatures with eyes within and without. One like the appearance of a lion. One like the appearance of an ox. One like the appearance of a man. And the other like the appearance of a flying eagle. And with these four living creatures begin to give glory and honor to him who sits upon the throne. Think about it. Saying, worthy is the Lamb. <laughs> worthy art thou, our Lord and our God. For you created all things, and according to your will, they existed and were created. Ah. And when they declare he is worthy, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down on their faces, and they cast their crowns before the one that sits upon the throne, the one that lives forever and forever. I want to be a part of that throne room worship. Becoming throne room. That's what the kingdom is all about. The kingdom are a body of people that have a revelation of the throne of God. Do you know where the kingdom is? It's inside of you. That's what I want to talk about this morning. If you'd like, turn to the book of Hebrews or punch in the numbers or whatever we do nowadays. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read three verses out of Hebrews. I might quote several others, so get ready. Take a few notes. I've, I've got a, some things I want to share. Throne room people. And the only way that you can really from the heart, you know, we, we do it by faith. I, you know, Lord, you are great. You died for me. You became a man. You lived. You became hungry. You became thirsty. But on the inside of that man was no ordinary soul. It was the very nature of God. It says it was in, in him, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 20, were his invisible attributes, his divine nature, and his eternal power. Now don't let those words just go over your head. Eternal power. Eternal power. Unlimited power. Immeasurable power. How much power is that? As much as he needs. Jesus was the son of God, this perfect spotless son. And he had the unlimited anointing, the spirit without measure. How much spirit did he have tomorrow? As much as he needed to do the will of the father. Because he was yielded, submitted to the will of the father. What is our message today? Here we are. We're moving into a new day. This is the ninth of Av. This is a kind of an important day on the Hebrew calendar. It's been notoriously known as a day of great sorrow. Did you know that? The ninth of Av. This is what today is. I did a whole article years ago that I did with Bob Jones called The Season of the Basilisk. I know you probably have never heard of that word. You can Google it. That's not my message this morning. But there have been notoriously difficult things that happen at certain times of the Hebrew calendar. Nebuchadnezzar, if you'll remember, around 500 or so B.C., invaded Jerusalem on the 17th of Tammuz and ransacked the city for 21 days. And on the 9th of Av, he entered the temple and destroyed it. Exactly 
on those same dates, some 600 years later, after the Lord Jesus, you know, we have a misperception of why, of what judgment really is. You know, judgment is when you, when you reject God. That's what judgment brings, when you reject God. Jesus overlooking Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And because you did not recognize the day of your visitation, not one stone will be left upon another. Seventy years later, not even quite 70, 40 years later, one of the most horrific events in the history of Israel, certainly perhaps one of the most horrific events in the history, is when Prince Titus of Rome enters Jerusalem on the 17th of Tammuz, the exact day Nebuchadnezzar had 600 years earlier, ransacked the city. One million Jewish people were murdered. One mil- Think about that a minute. One million. The blood ran down the streets of Jerusalem. Josephus tells us mothers were eating their children because he starved the city out, surrounded the city, letting no supplies into the city. Nailed people trying to escape Jerusalem. They caught them and nailed them to the walls of the city. Why? Because they rejected their day of visitation. That's what the Bible says. And on the 9th of Av, this date, today's date, He destroyed the temple and set the temple on fire. And history tells us that the fire melted the gold and the silver in the temple and the gold and the silver melted and began to run down among the foundation stones of the temple. And when the Roman soldiers entered the temple, they took crowbars and literally pried up the foundation stones to get the gold and the silver, fulfilling the prophetic word, not one stone will be left upon another. But you know what it also says in Zechariah? That sounds like a kind of a sad story, and it was sad. But it says, in the, and the Lord prophesied in the book of Zechariah, those are called fast days, the fasts of the fifth month. But he says, I'm going to turn your fast day into a feast day. I'm going to turn a day that has been notoriously known for mourning, and I'm going to make it so glorious, you're going to use that day to celebrate. Because the, the enemy's not going to get away with it forever. We're coming out of, friends, the valley of the shadow of death. We are coming out of a season of hardship and difficulty. And for some of us, it's been lifelong. For some of us, it's been in cycles. I I went through a seven-year season from uh, 2011 to 2018 and 19 that I wouldn't wish on anybody. But we're coming out of that season. We're coming into a new day. This is why baptism, I feel like, one of the reasons... Baptism has been so important. I don't have to preach baptism to this church. (laughs) you got a big swimming pool over there. (laughs) But it's very important. I just want to add my encouragement to the fact that, listen, we're washing away the old season. You might say, well, I was baptized 20 years ago. Well, do it again. you got a new day on your hands. You You want to wash away the residue of the old. You want to wash away the grief. Wash away the shame. Wash away the disappointment. Wash away the hope deferred. Why? Making way for a new day. Making a platform, a landing place for the anointing. That's what we're moving into. You know, I remember years ago. Now, maybe around 2010, I did a conference down in Mobile. And I had borrowed a church in the sanctuary. Didn't have the loft up here, but it's about about this size right here, you know. And packed out, I had... Brought in uh, Heidi Baker and Rick Joyner and Kent Maddox as my speakers. 
And on Friday night, Kent has the service. And of course, we're a prophetic conference. You're thinking that everybody that came to the conference would have been a believer. But on Friday night, Kent does this message and he gave an altar call. Twelve people came down to be saved. I was surprised. And so Kent, you know, you know how Kent is. You got you to get in the water. <laughs> we got to baptize you. Well, I'm borrowing this church. It's not my church. You know, and I'm like, oh, my. So we find out they have a baptismal behind the, you know, somewhere, and they can bring it out and fill it with water. And so he said, okay, come back tomorrow, and we'll baptize you. Well, eight of the 12 were able to come back the next day. Four could not. So Kent and I were just going to baptize those eight and then move on with the service. And so we began to baptize the eight, and we finished on the eighth person. I looked up, and there's eight more. So we began to baptize those eight, and one of those eight happened to be a pastor friend of mine that had been pastoring at that point 35 years. Been pastoring 35 years. And so he, he felt like the Lord said, I don't I want you to be baptized. So he goes into the water, he comes out of the water, and he doesn't move. He's like a statue. And I realized, this is, this is a mature man I've, I've known for years. I said, something's going on here. So I finally stuck the microphone in his face, and I said, Paul, what, what happened? He said, when I came out of the water, for the first time in my life, I heard a voice say, this is my beloved son. Oh, oh wow. That did it. That did it. Can you imagine a preacher of 35 years hearing, oh, you, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Well, that did it. We had 50 more lined up. Women were getting out of their seats with their dresses, literally. I sent my son across. Fortunately, we were right across the parking lot from Sam's. <laughs> I said, go buy every towel they got. And so they brought in towels, and these ladies with makeup, hair, dresses, you, you know. We were baptized, baptized 98 people that morning. 98 people on a Saturday morning. <clears throat> we just baptized 100 in Canada about a month ago. There's something about it right now. That's just a little side note. <laughs> I just want to add my affirmation to the importance of that. It is not some ritual. Just like communion is not a ritual. It's an encounter with God. If you approach it on the basis of faith, believing, it says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in them. Listen, if you approach communion on that, on that way, you will have it every day because it's an encounter with God. The Lord begins to visit with you and begins to fill you and begins to strengthen you and begins to quicken your mortal body. I believe, I believe when I take communion, the life-giving spirit is going inside of me. And my cells are going to be renewed. And my strength is going to be restored. And I needed my strength restored. <laughs> I went through some stuff and lost 30 pounds and lost my strength. And, and the Lord is giving my strength back and it's going to be better than ever. I believe it's a secret to the longevity of what uh, people are going to have. But I told you to go to Hebrews 11 about 20 minutes ago, didn't I? <laughs> Hebrews 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction, the evidence of things not seen. That's, that is a mouthful. You know what the Lord told me? He said, I want my people to provide evidence of the unseen realm. That's your commission. To provide evidence that there is another realm that supersedes this realm. I'm going to use a phrase a, a few times this morning called the fourth dimension. 
I believe there are multiple dimensions in God. I don't know how many dimensions there are, but you and I know that we live in a three-dimensional world, correct? What you can touch, what you can feel, you're sitting on a chair, you know, our, our three-dimensional senses in, in, in this, this realm has certain laws, the laws of gravity and you know, you, you slam your hand down on a nail and it hurts. <laughs> I mean, just those laws, those are three-dimensional laws. And most people live their lives bound by that three-dimensional law. But you're not bound by the three-dimensional world. You have another dimension, not just another realm, another dimension living inside of you that supersedes this three-dimensional world. You are subject to another set of laws that supersede the laws of this three-dimensional realm. I'll come back to that. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen, the evidence of the unseen. Right now, as I speak, there are things up here on this platform. I can feel them. I may not see them, but I know they're here. That's an unseen realm. There are things going on in this room right now you and I may not be able to see, but they're more real than that chair you're sitting on right now. It is eternal. We look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, because the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. The eternal realm that is more real. And there are a body of people, there's something. You are a last day saint. You are a last day warrior. You are specially equipped. Let that one, I'm pausing on purpose. You need to let that sink in a minute. You're not like everybody else. Get over it. Who wants to be like everybody else? That's not working. You're not like, you're created different. Peter said you're peculiar. You're motivated by things that other people are not motivated by. You see things other people don't see. You feel things others have no access to. You are created for the last day army and there was something woven into your very DNA, into the very fabric of your cellular structure that makes you hungry and longing for something that you haven't even been able to explain. You haven't even understood yourself most of your life. Isn't that true? I told the Lord the other day, I said, Lord, I don't even understand me. And I meant that. I don't understand. I don't even understand what makes me who I am. <laughs> Except for the fact I have one thing. I'm just pursuing the Lord. I just want to know God. Nothing else really matters. There's something different. There's something woven into you. It's a hunger. It's a thirst. It's called the deep calling to the deep at the sound of the waterfall. You're going to hear some things. You know, you hear a waterfall. Who can't want to go see it? You're going to hear some things this morning and the deep inside of you is going to long for them. You're going to long to see. You're going to long to hear. You're going to long to encounter. And the Lord is doing that because he's not going to cause us to hunger for something that he will not satisfy. It is a proven scientific fact. The deep cause to the deep theory or reality is that if, if I crave an orange, if I woke up this morning and I, my body craved an orange... That means something in me needed whatever's in an orange, right? But I wouldn't crave an orange if that orange weren't out there to respond to the craving. Thank you. Somebody got it. There's a little delayed reaction, but you got it. So if I, if I long to encounter the unseen realm, 
then that realm must be there or I wouldn't long for it. If I long to encounter the Lord, if I long to see visions, if I long to access the heavenly realms, that realm must be there to respond to the longing or I wouldn't long for it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, the evidence of things not seen, for by it men of old gained approval. Here it is. By faith we understand that the world's, this three-dimensional world, was prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Do you see the two realms there? What is seen was made by the unseen realm. And the realm that made the seen realm supersedes the, word, the realm that is seen. Don't ask me to repeat that. You get the point. You remember Elisha. You know, there's so many examples, but here was Elisha. Elisha was a multidimensional man. The prophet Elisha, who carried the mantle of Elijah. He was a multidimensional man. The Lord began to show him the secrets of the king of their enemies, of Israel's enemies. And the king found out he couldn't even go into his private chambers to make a plan without Elijah being there to see it. Why? He was multidimensional. He could see things other people couldn't see. He could travel places other people couldn't travel. And the king would try to make plans and Elijah would see, Elisha would see it and come back and tell the king of Israel. And every time the enemy tried to do something, Israel was already always prepared. So the king said, well, we've got to do something about Elisha. So while he and Gehazi were in this little cabin one day sleeping, the whole Aramean army surrounds the little cabin. It's in your Bible. You, you know, you can just kind of imagine, you know, Gehazi comes out one morning, kind of yawns to wake up to the entire Aramean army <laughs> surrounding them. He goes into panic mode. Elisha, if you can just kind of use your imagination a little bit, Elisha comes out, ah, gave us a big yawn, you know. What are you worried about, Gehazi? There's more for us than there are for them. Why? He was multidimensional. He wasn't bound by what his eyes see. He, 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 lived, in a, he lived in two realms at the same time. Oh, if you could get that this morning. You're to live in two realms at the same time. You're not going to be bound by this realm. Listen, the other realm is more important. You might say, well, God desires that we live in another realm. Jesus was multidimensional. He was on he in heaven and on earth at the same time. And Gehazi was not bound by what his eyes see. He was not in fear. And he goes over to Gehazi and the Lord opened his eyes. Just let him see the reality. How else can you have vision for the unprecedented? We're living in unprecedented hours. How else can you see what eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and what has not yet even entered into the heart of man? I can tell you how. By being multidimensional. Why? Because the Spirit searches the depths of God and reveals it to the sons of God. The Spirit searches the unseen realm and brings that out of that dimension and prophesies it through a body of people that have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. They are fourth dimensional, the realm of faith. The, extra, the other dimension is the realm of faith. So Gehazi 
receives prayer from Elisha and his eyes are open and he sees chariots of fire and angels and horsemen and all that he saw. And he goes from faith, he goes from fear to faith. One revelation of the unseen realm and fear is decimated. Fear, we're not going to be a fearful people. We're not going to be a fearful people because we're not going to be bound by what your eyes see. I'm going to quote the scripture again. It's either first or second Corinthians 4, 16. I get first and second confused sometimes. One of those, check them both out. I'm sure whatever the other one is, it's good too. But we're not bound by what our eyes see. That which is seen is temporal, but that which is unseen is eternal. The eternal realm of God. I think I'm going to play the little clip now. You guys maybe give me, I'll give you 30 seconds to get the clip ready. I put this a little, I put this to the test. I, I did a little something kind of interesting, kind of funny, because I've been trying my best to put my own revelation to work. (laughs) You know, pulling from the unseen realm, recognizing that I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You know what the Bible says? You're surrounded, encompassed about, it says in another translation, by a great cloud of witnesses. And I've been doing my best to pull from that realm into this realm. To begin to pull revelation, beginning to pull strength. So I, I, uh, I like to work out. And most days I'm just good to go, you know. You, you know, it's, I'm going to work out every day. If I'm in town, I mean, it takes, if I'm on airplanes, I'm not going to work out. But, you know, I'm averaging five, six days a week. I'm in the gym. Just, I do it. Just like brushing my teeth in the morning. I don't debate whether I'm going to do that. I do that. I'm going to work out the same way. You understand? But every once in a while, you just don't feel like it. Right, guys? Some of you guys, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just not feeling it today. And so what I have to do is just say, okay, you're going anyway, whether you want to or not. So I get in the car and I drive there, you know, and I go in the gym. I like, go, okay, I'm in the building. <laughs> I'm halfway there, you know. And, and, and you just force you. I say, okay, I'm going to go do 10 minutes. And if I feel good after 10 minutes, I'll do a little 10 minutes more, you know. And you just keep, next thing you know, an hour and a half has gone and you've done your workout. And you feel really good about it. But the other day, this was about two or three weeks ago, I just wasn't feeling it. I'd traveled some, you know, I was tired, and I thought, wait a minute. I need to follow my own message. I need to pull from the unseen realm. It says in, in uh, Psalms somewhere, <laughs> turn to me and be gracious to me, O Lord. Grant your strength to your servant and help your son. Show me a sign of your goodness, a token of your favor, that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed. For the Lord, my God, has helped me and comforted me. So I decided I'm going to pull on the unseen realm. I said, Lord, I don't feel like working out today. I just don't. You said I can have your strength. I'm going to pull with faith. Faith, Hebrews 11, the realm of faith. The dimension of faith. I'm going to pull from the resources of heaven into my life. And I'm going to have the, one of the best workouts I've ever had. It worked. I pulled from God. And when I did that, it reminded me of something that had happened to me years ago. 1990 to be exact. February of 1990. I had just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was having experiences for which... 
I had no grid. I was seeing things being taken out of my body. From 89 to 94, the Lord filled me with what I'm preaching right now. The message I preach now, the Lord put inside of me in those years. He's expanded it, of course, but that was the heart of it. And I remember I had gone to uh, Oklahoma. And while I was there, I bought a bunch of supplies of the men and women that basically formed the foundation of what I believe. And one of them was Catherine Kuhlman. And I remembered watching this clip because what she said, I, I didn't really fully understand what she said back in 1990. I just knew that I needed to have it. Some, it's a two-minute clip. Would you watch it? And I'd like to comment on it. Go ahead when you're ready. But my friend, do you know the experience of having yielded your will to the will of the Father? Not some of self and some of me, but none of self and all of me. I feel that glorious anointing of the Holy Ghost, that provision that he has made for every one of his children. When you take the most ordinary, he doesn't ask for golden vessels. He doesn't ask for silver vessels. He asks for yielded vessels. And he'll take the most ordinary person. I don't care who that one might be. He'll give you a wisdom beyond the wisdom of man's understanding. He'll give you a courage. He'll give you power. Where you feel you can stand alone. Arrayed against all the forces of hell. And you stand there strengthened. And you feel like a giant, not to be called of their own strength, but because you are drawing on unseen resources. Man. You hear it right there? Oh. He'll give you courage. <laughs> He'll give you power. Don't you love the way she said it? She said, she'll give you power. So that you think you can stand alone arrayed against all the forces of hell. Not because of your own strength, but because you're pulling on unseen resources. I'm telling you, in this new season that we're moving into, that's going to be the secret. Do you notice what she said? He'll use ordinary people. <laughs> it gives me hope. It gives me hope. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet I have no heritage of what anybody in four generations of my family that even owned a bible much less you know but here I am standing before this great body of people with a revelation that he's going to give you some power he's going to teach you how to pull from the unseen realm you do it by faith faith is the evidence of the unseen realm it is another dimension 
There is so much more I could say about that, but I want to move into another, to another revelation that ties into that. He'll give you power. Oh, I've been praying Acts 10.38 over and over. Lord, anoint us. Remember, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Go ahead and put your name in. God anointed Paul Keith Davis with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Oh, that's my prayer. Anoint us this morning with the Holy Spirit and power. Teach us, Lord, to pull from the unseen realm to pull on the unlimited resources of heaven. Just think what's at our disposal. You know, you might say, yeah, that's for the prophets and apostles. I don't think so. I think that's for whoever has faith, whoever's willing to believe. You know what, God, you've got what I need. I'm not going to be bound by all the former things. I, I'm going to break free. One of the messages I brought is breaking free of the tyranny of the familiar you have lived in such a familiar world that we're moving into a season right now. We're coming out of the valley of the shadow of death. And that old familiar stuff is going to be behind us and everything is going to be made new. It's really true. It's happening. It's happening in my life. I'm, I'm a token of that. My life doesn't even resemble what it did a few years ago. In many ways, God's making all things new. I had a dream on Father's Day of this year, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I've already been bringing this message about, you know, one season ending and a new season beginning. I had, a, had an experience with the Lord about a year ago where I was walking down a path and, and um, I realized, oh, this is a long journey. I could see the path ahead of me and I thought, this is going to be a pretty long journey. So I stopped to gather a couple of things that I thought I might need on the journey. And as I was turning, this wall shot up right beside me. And it went all the way up to heaven. I couldn't even see the top of it. And the Lord said, what was on the other side of the wall will no longer be a part of my future. Many of the things of the past will not be a part of your future. Many of the things that didn't need to be. But then there were some things that kind of hurt a little bit. You know, some relationships and different things that, that I wasn't, you know, I didn't know that was going to happen. But, but, but I recognized that is part, part of the preparation of the future. There are things we cannot carry from the past into our future. Even relationships, even relation. There are some. I'm not advocating. You know, there was a time when Paul walked with Barnabas, but then there was a time when Paul walked with Silas. And when I turned back around to look, the whole scene had changed. It was more beautiful, more vibrant, more alive, and and I knew that was a picture of where we are. We're poised for the future. We've gone through a season of separation, a season of change, a season of pruning and refinement. We've actually been walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And in my dream, on Father's Day of this year, 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm in this, you know, I guess it was a dream, but it felt like I was there. You ever had a dream like that? You know, there's certain dreams you just dream, but there are other dreams that you don't know it's a dream until you wake up. It seems so real. That was what this one was like. But I'm walking, coming up out of the valley of the shadow. Of, I was told that. You're coming out of the valley of the shadow of death. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I was just about to crest the top and 
to walk into this new plateau. And a voice says, I want you to build seven pillars. And my immediate reaction was, oh, the Lord wants me to build a memorial. Because I remembered when Joshua crossed the Jordan, each of the 12 tribes put a stone, remember, in the Jordan as a memorial. And the voice says, no, not a memorial, seven pillars. Dowie, Lake, Eder, like that, this is in my dream. And then I realized the seven pillars were the seven people that the Lord had used most influentially in my life to help give me a foundation of what I was seeing prophetically so that I could see it functioning in the lives of someone else. So there had been seven people, Alexander Dowie, John G. Lake, Mariah Woodworth Etter, William Branham, Catherine Kuhlman, A.A. Allen, and Roland Buck. Those are the seven that the Lord used for me. So as I'm coming up out of the, just a recap, coming up out of the valley of the shadow of death, that season's over. Even the visions that I had for that season, even the encouragements that I had for that season to get me through the valley had to remain in the valley. And so I'm coming up, and a voice says, Bill, seven pillars. And I said, a memorial, no, seven pillars. Dowie, Lake, Edder. And then in my mind, I finished it. Oh, Branham, Kuhlman, Catherine Kuhlman, A.A. Allen, and Roland Buck. And then another scripture dropped into me in this experience. It's from Jeremiah chapter 16. I'm going to read this one because it's very important. It says, therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. When it will no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north and from the countries where he had banished them, for I will restore them to their own land. I need your undivided attention for 10 minutes. Can I have that? So this is what, this is what the Lord told me in my experience. When I was going through the valley, things were not pleasant all the time. You know, I'm, I'm living, I literally had to confront the spirit of death in mind. That's another thing altogether. But, you know, we, we break agreement with the laws of sin and death and come into agreement with the laws of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. My word to you is break agreement with the laws of sin and death. Break agreement with death. And come into agreement with the laws of life in Christ. That's another message. So I'm coming up out of the, the valley of the shadow of death. And, and when I'm in the valley, to encourage myself, I had these ministries of people that moved in the supernatural dimension, that lived their life from the unseen realm, that had visitations from the Lord, they, they were living what the Lord was showing me. So I, I would put them in front of me. You understand? I said, okay, there is Mariah Woodworth Etter. That little housewife, weighed about 90 pounds, who had a desire to serve God but had no qualifications. And one day while she was doing her housework in this little log cabin in the Ohio Valley, she turns around and there stands the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was a good day. There was the Lord standing there. This is in our own journal. You can read it for yourself. A diary of signs and wonders. And the Lord says to her, why aren't you in my vineyard? And she said, well, I'm a woman. I'm pretty sure you knew that. 
You understand, this is the late 1800s. And, you know, so apparently he didn't have a problem with it, so I guess I don't either. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so then he said a second time, why aren't you in my vineyard? She said, I don't know your word. She had always wanted to go to Bible school. Couldn't because the family had such hardship. And so the Lord points to the wall, she says, and on the wall was supernaturally imposed the Bible. And she said the minute her eyes fell on it, the glory of God was emanating from it, and she understood it from Genesis to Revelation. Then he asked her again the third time, why aren't you in my vineyard? She says, Lord, you give me the power. You gave those Galilean fishermen, and I'll go. And he did, and she did. Forty-four years of miracle ministry. Forty-four years of supernatural ministry where the unseen realm, the glory of God, manifested in a regular... I have in my Bible, which I don't carry with me anymore... Newspaper clippings from secular newspapers reporting on the miraculous in her meetings. Now, why did I share that story? That's just one of many stories. Because when I was discouraged, when I felt oh, like, Lord, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I remember, no, he, he met with Mariah with, with that or he's going to meet with me. I, he, he, he is real. He is true to his word. He visited Roland Buck. He took him to heaven in January 21st, 1977. He met with William Branham in that cabin on May 7th, 1946, when an angel appeared to him and said, Fear not, for I'm sent from the presence of Almighty God to tell you that your understood, misunderstood ways and your peculiar life are because you're to carry the gift of healing to the nations of the earth. And so on it went. Met with him for an hour and a half. And gave him a commissioning. I remember that. Okay, you met with William Branham. You met with A. E. Allen. That day he went in the closet to pray because he wanted power in his life. And he came out of the closet when his, after being in the closet all day long. He had not eaten and he was going to fast until the Lord showed up. And he comes out of his closet when he smells the stew his wife was cooking and the biscuits that came there on the oven. And he puts one bite in his mouth, and the Lord said, you sure did give up awfully easy. He spits it out of his mouth, goes in and tells his wife, you lock the door from the outside. I'm not coming out till I've met with God. It's in his book. You can read it for yourself. Yeah, he wrote a book on it. And he says the glory of God fell in that closet after. He said, I don't know if I was there hours or days. The glory of God fell in that closet and began to talk to him in an audible voice and told him what he needed to do to carry the miraculous. And he had some of the most radical miracles you've ever heard of in your life. Right here in Birmingham, Alabama, one of the most radical miracles, 26 creative miracles on one child. So that was my, that was in, you know, here, here's my point. You see, I, that was in front of me. That was my encouragement. When I got discouraged, I'd go read a William Branham story. If I got discouraged, I would go read about Mariah with Edder. Oh, you know, and, that was, and now, though, now we're coming out of the valley of the shadow of death. And in my thinking, they're going to be in front of me the rest of my life. But as I'm coming out of the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord says, look back now and build seven pillars. And those seven names were on those seven pillars. Then the scripture comes to me in Jeremiah 16. I once was known as the God that brought Israel out of Egypt. That was a big deal. Wouldn't you agree? I wouldn't mind seeing the Red Sea part. Israel facing the ocean, you know, Egyptian army behind, no hope, and the Lord shows up. <laughs> the Lord shows up. 
Uh, can I just say to you, he's going to show up for us. He's going to show up for us. He is. And he parts the Red Sea, walls of water, I don't care what they say, walls of water on either side. Two million people march across on dry ground, and of course the walls collapse and destroy the most powerful military force on the planet in a day. Everybody heard about it. <laughs> oh, that's Israel. That, that's the God that destroyed the Egyptian army. That's the God that, that was the standard. You hear what I'm saying? That was the bar. That was the measure. Tell me about your God. Oh, he's the God that brought Israel. Oh, that's your God. That God. I heard about that story. I heard about that supernatural event. I heard about the power that was demonstrated. I heard about the glory that was revealed in that experience. That was the bar. That was the standard. But the Lord is saying, now, though, that's no longer going to be the bar. You think that was great? I'm going to do something even greater. I'm going to bring them from the four corners of the earth and plant them after 2,500 years of dispersion back in their land, in their military, with their economy, with their language. I'm going to do something more impossible than bringing them out of Egypt. That's now the bar. Here's my revelation. The Lord says, for you, the bar was William Branham. The bar was Catherine Kuhlman. The bar was Mariah Woodworth Edder and A.E. Allen. No longer am I going to be known as the God that did those things. I'm going to be known as the God that did something even greater. There is a new bar. This is the revelation. I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm just telling you, you watch and see. Over the next several years, over the next seven years, see if we don't start to have another bar, another measure of people that move in the raw power of God. We thought what he did through Alexander Dow was great. We thought what he did with Jonathan G. Lake was great. This, there's going to be a superseding. That's my revelation. That, that's, those were wonderful. Praise the Lord. We don't forget about what God did in Egypt, but that's no longer the bar. The bar has been moved up a little bit. The bar has been lifted. A greater demonstration, a greater measure of faith, a greater revelation of the glory is going to be revealed through a body of people. And according to Catherine Kuhlman, he's going to use ordinary people. Ordinary people that are just have enough grit. <laughs> is that okay to say here? And I'll, I know Kent says worse than that. Audacity. <laughs> just to believe God. Just to say, I'm not much. I feel that way now more than ever. So when I get up, I say, Lord, I, if you don't show up, this is not going to be good. But you're the remedy. You're the solution. <laughs> you're the answer to the problems of the world. And you know what God said? He's going to use you. The kingdom is in you. I know some people are prophesying it's going to get better and better out there. The Bible tells us it's going to get worse and worse. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Things are not going to get better in the world. It says darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But in the midst of that, a body of people will arise and shine. And the glory of God will be upon them. They will be multidimensional people. I want you to come away with this. Two main points this morning. You are a multidimensional person. Can I have five more minutes? How are you a multidimensional person? You have eternal life. Now, give me five minutes more of undivided attention because I need it. I need you to be focused on what I'm about to say. How do I have eternal life? Okay, I receive the Lord and he washed away my sins and now I have an extension of life 
and I'm going to live in, in, with immortality. That's true, but that's really not the totality of it. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 9, that we have the seed of God abiding in us. We, we don't even begin to fathom. I am prophesying we're going to understand that statement in ways that we've never understood it before. The seed of God, 1 John 3, 9. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. Give me a couple of minutes to, to develop that. His seed. Number one, I'm not adopted into God's family. I have the sperm of God. The word seed there is sperma. I know that's, but check it out for yourself. Read your Strong's Concordance, the word there. So God took, what is God? God is light. God is love. God is life. And God is eternal. Okay? Now, everybody in this room, I'm assuming, is a born-again believer. You will receive the blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And when you did, he says, you were born again. And the, and the Father took a little piece of himself, a seed, out of himself. And in that seed was life. And in that seed was eternity. And he put it inside of you. And I have received eternal life. I received eternal life in the seed of the Father. What's in that seed? His invisible attributes, his divine nature, and his eternal power. That's what abides inside of you. Peter talks about it also. He says, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brother, brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not with a perishable seed, but an imperishable, incorruptible seed through the living and enduring word of God. You have a multidimensional, eternal seed inside of you. That's why I wasn't adopted into God's family. You were never adopted into God's family. You were born into his family. That's what it says. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Adoption is something else altogether. Adoption is the placing of a son. I have another teaching that would take a half hour. I don't have that time this morning. But Romans 8 is about the placing of a son. Paul, I'm pretty sure Paul was saved when he wrote the book of Romans. <laughs> you must be getting tired. That was supposed to be a joke. And he said, he said, even we ourselves groan within ourselves for our adoption as sons, the redemption of the body. He was already in the family of God. So adoption was more than just becoming a son. It was the placing of a son when the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. That's the placing of a son. So we have an eternal seed. You have it in, abiding in you. That makes you multidimensional. That makes you multi. He abolished death and gave us immortality, Paul said, for which I was appointed a minister and an apostle and a teacher. A seed inside of you that has eternal life. And because that seed in you has eternal life, you have eternal life. So when were you saved? When was your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? At the last revival? Before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation. He saw you before planet Earth was created. Think about that a minute. 
That's how big God is. <laughs> That's how big God is. Job 26 is an amazing passage, and I'm going to close with this. An amazing passage. I'm so impressed with God. But he tells Job, you know, he talks about creation. You know, he talks about hanging this earth up in. Who holds the earth in its place? That's what he's asking Job. Who created this vast universe? I talked about that in one of my blogs. And I said, you know, God holds earth in its place with this perfect rotation. And someone wrote to me and says, no, gravity holds it there. I'm like, well, okay, who created gravity? But anyway, think about that. Earth rotating with such precision. They can predict a lunar eclipse 100 years from now. Just the right distance from the sun that we don't burn up or freeze. Perfect atmosphere, you know, all that. So he talks about this vast creation, the universe, 15 billion light years to the outer limits of this universe of this creation trillions of stars and solar systems and quasars and black holes and all these things and then then the scripture says but these are just the mere fringes of his ways just the whisper of his voice oh just the if he were to thunder who could stand it you know what it says in the book of revelation god thunders if, the, if all this vastness is just the mere fringes of his ways, what does the thunder look like? If what we know about the nature of God is only the whisper of his voice, what will the thunder do at the end of the age? That's what you and I are being prepared for. You were born for this hour. This is a new day. You're coming out of the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, I ask that you wash over these people right now with your spirit. Lord, many of them still have the residue of the old season on them. I can still feel it, but you have the hope for the new season. You've been prepared. I can tell this already. You're more prepared for the new season than any group I've spoken to thus far. So I know that what Kent has been preaching to you is preparing you for this new season. But I'm asking this morning that the Lord wash over you with his spirit to remove the residue of the old and prepare you for the new. To take away the pain and the guilt and the shame and all the different things that go with that. More importantly, I'm asking this morning for the revelation to fall upon these people that they are multidimensional. Lord, we just give you glory. I just feel the Lord right now. Lord, we give you glory. You are worthy. Can you just say that? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb of God to receive glory and honor and power and praise. Worthy are you, Lord, to take the book and break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Men of every nation, tongue, tribe, and kingdom. You are the Alpha and you are the Omega ministry. You are the firstborn of the dead. Impossible for God to die and impossible for God to lie. Worthy is the Lamb. I just feel that this morning. Worthy is the Lamb. If you say that with me this morning, I feel like something's going to begin to sweep over you. Worthy. You know, He's worthy to have a people without spot or wrinkle. He's worthy to have a bride that loves Him with unbridled passion. He's worthy to have sons that are like, that, that have the very nature of their father. 
He's worthy of a body of people that are completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. He's worthy to have people that have yielded their will to the will of the Father. He is worthy to receive all that He does. Lord, I pray that you'll begin to reveal these things to these people, these that you have set apart, these that are here at Word of Life, those that happen to be watching by streaming or by some other means. May there be a release. Lord, I, you know, I feel it right now. I just saw these eyes. Lord, give us eyes to see the unseen realm. Lord, I pray you would give these people in this room, the, I'm not going to quit praying till I feel a release, that you have a revelation that you are multidimensional. You are not bound by the three-dimensional world. The laws of this realm do not dictate your reality. The laws of the unseen realm dictates your life. It dictates your life, who you are and what you do. The fruit you bear on this earth comes from the unseen realm. Your job, your responsibility, your quest, your role is to give evidence of the unseen realm. The world is longing to know there's something more than what they see with their three-dimensional eyes. The world is perishing, waiting for the sons of God. All of creation groans, waiting for the revelation of a multidimensional people called the sons of God that can pull from the unseen realm, that can pull from the resources of heaven. There's an anointing on this lady right here. I just release that to you. Begin to pull from the unseen realm. Grant that, Lord. Grant that all over this room. There's a pocket right back here, just a, a pocket of anointing falling on, fall on these people, Lord. Fill their mouth with a word. I, I'm getting for these people, Jeremiah chapter 51, verse, verse 15 and 16. Verse 16 says, I'll put a word in your mouth. I'll put a word in your mouth and I'll cover you with a shadow of my hand to establish the heavens. Right now, the Lord is putting a word in our mouth. Prophesy that word. Even if you just whisper it, begin to prophesy whatever revelation. I'm, I'm asking you to do right now because the Lord is going to hear it. Prophesy what you believe is going to happen in Word of Life. Prophesy the destiny of your family. My family is going to live in the glory of God. My rebellious children are coming home. My prodigal sons and daughters are coming home. Begin to prophesy that. Begin to pull from the unseen realm. Let's put it to work. Pull from the unseen realm with faith. Pull hope where you don't have hope. Pull into your life healing where you don't have healing. Strength where there is no strength. He'll strengthen weak knees and feeble arms. He'll give you power, she said. If you're dealing with fear, I feel that right now in a big way. He'll give you courage. That's what she said. He'll give you courage so you think you can stand alone, arrayed against all the forces of hell. Not because of your own strength, but because you're pulling on unseen resources. Lord, let something happen in this pulpit over the next weeks. Let there be a manifestation of your glory, a manifestation of the unseen realm. Grant that, Lord. I can see the anointing on several people. Just as I'm looking out, I can see this anointing on several people. I know the Lord is stirring you, and I know it's late also. My understanding is there is a ministry team. If the ministry team would like to come up or whoever's going to transition can maybe come get ready. I just need 60 more seconds. I can't get down until I feel a release. You can go ahead and come up. You can come up. I want you to get it. I wish you knew how badly I desire for you to begin to see the unseen realm. 
Do you believe that's the word of the Lord? It's in the word. It's in the Bible. It's in the word. The Lord has something to show you. You're, the season is past. Don't let, it, don't let it pull you back in. Don't let the history of the old season pull you back in. This is a new day. A new day. I'm going to pray one more time. Lord, give them access. Give them access. Zechariah 3, 7. If you walk in my ways and perform my service, you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access. This young lady on the front row, I, I've just noticed you several times. I don't think we've met. Have we met? I don't think so, but something's going on with your life. I really feel like a lot of what I shared this morning is for you, this new season, this new anointing. You're going to begin to see some things that will change. You know what it's going to do? Begin to change. It's going to rewire our brain, literally rewire our thinking. It's going to rewire the way we process life. That's what's happening with a lot of people this morning. Your brain is going to be rewired. You're no longer going to see things through the filter of the past. It'll cause you to see people differently. It'll cause you to see your circumstances differently. You're going to begin to view them with the eyes of faith. You're going to begin to see them from a higher posture in heaven. And it's going to change your whole outlook. You're not going to be tormented at night when you try to go to sleep. You're not going to be tormented when you try to step out in faith. You're not going to be tormented by fear. Lord, release that all over this room. I ask this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.